Welcome to another episode of the two-on-one podcast with Adam and Alex. Alex, we are back. Hi, Adam. Hey, dude. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm tired. Tired? Yeah. I've just gotten home from Montreal. Why don't you tell everyone what you were in Montreal for? Obviously, I was there for uh, Montreal's game against the Kings. I had sold my tickets originally uh, to some close friends. Yes, I charged my close friends money. Don't blame me. And... Um, but the first year season, there was this box, and um, my season ticket agent invited a few of us over. Just, you know, this little, I'm sorry, I'm way too tired to explain this. Basically, just a thing for first year second season ticket holders to come, different perspective, all that kind of stuff. Just a really nice thing for the Habs to do. It was, uh, it was awesome. That's, that's uh, awesome. I ate many hot dogs. And they won. That's a, that's a good start. Yeah, they almost blew a three nothing lead, but we'll we'll get into that later. But yeah, uh, we talk trash about Jonathan Quick. Please grade against the Habs. <laughs> um, but Alex, I think to start off, we should talk about um, something really important. Today is November tenth. Tomorrow, of course, is Remembrance Day. Uh, Alex, I don't know about you, but me and myself, uh, I had a great grandfather. He was a Navy man in World War Two. Had a few uncles, grandfathers that were also in the army. A buddy of mine is actually in the reserves, so um, just I want to take a second to acknowledge all those who have given their lives so then we can live the lives that we live, and, you know, thank you. Yeah, what Adam said. So, um, of course, Montreal last night had their game where they honored their veterans, and it was really nice. Normally, how they would just like project something onto the ice in the pregame, like a logo or something. The Habs actually put a poppy down. It was uh, it was really really cool. Uh, the they had um, an Air Force guy do the anthem, and it was the guy killed it. It was fantastic. So uh, really classy move by by the Habs as well, and of course across the league. Yeah, I think the the Leafs did it last night as well. Uh, I I didn't get to watch the entire game. Uh, I was at Boston Pizza. <laughs> uh, they had the game on. I just didn't see what I missed the opening part. I I love Boston Pizza. So good. But uh, anyway, again, thank you for all those who've given their lives and who continue to serve today. Um, but Alex, let's go into the hockey for today. I I think before we start, I should just warn people that if I scream or yell. It's because the soccer game is going to start in about half an hour. That, of course, the MLS Finals. The MLS Cup Finals, where Toronto FC are playing. So we'll see. I, I might scream, but... Yeah, I feel like you're going to scream a lot more about hockey when we get to a certain segment later about one Don Cherry. But anyway, that's a tease for later I'm not in gonna, the... I'm not going to scream. I don't believe you. Okay. But I anyway, don't I don't Alex, believe me either. You you know how we start the show, don't you? The p- power hour. It's the power hour, even though it's more like 10, 15 minutes. Three <laughs> straight wins for the San Jose Sharks. They're trying to turn it around. I thought yeah. it was funny. You put you included that. I uh, so I'm like, okay, who was play? Who's been playing the last three games? It's our friend Martin Jones. Uh, he had a the three games. Against Nashville, 
Minnesota and Chicago. And it's funny, he had his best game against Nashville. He had a 960 save percentage. Uh, against Minnesota, he had an 808. And against Chicago, he had a 905. Which is ridiculous. Is he the most inconsistent goalie in the league? Martin Jones? Is he the um, yeah, is is he the year, most yeah. he's the most inconsistent starter goalie? That someone yes. who's considered a starter. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I can't I can't figure them out. I can't figure San Jose out. There continue to be a season, a team, sorry, to keep an eye out for in the Pacific Division that really is the wild, wild west. Another team that's won four straight, a team that's really turning around in the Central that honestly should have been good from the start. That's the Dallas Stars, four straight wins. Yeah, I'm not, I think we when we talked about it when they had the really bad start. Uh, I'm not surprised that they're turning it around. On paper, their team should do well. I believe John Klinberg's out for a couple weeks. Uh, with an injury. Um, yeah, John Klingberg expected out for weeks. Oh boy. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see how they last without John Klingberg, but it's not like they don't have players, right? They still have Mira Heiskanen, Essa Lindell. Uh, who else? They got Roman Polak. Uh, just joking. Stop but it. they have players who can, I know, I just had to say it because he was a Leaf. Um, they have players to back themselves up. And their goal, if we know anything about their goalie, goalies, sorry, uh, they will get better. Ben Bishop, I'll give you his last five games. Anaheim, 9-6-7 save percentage. Pittsburgh, 9-2-3. Uh, for some reason, there was an 800 against the Minnesota Wild. We won't count that. Against the Habs, a 9-7-2. Colorado, a nine seven three. That was a back to back, by the way. So uh, good to see that Ben Bishop is uh, is doing his job, and so are the Dallas Stars. Minus yeah. Jamie Ben, who I'm starting to con- I'm starting to convince myself he's not as good as I thought he was. Really? Why is I, that? Because it seems to be every year we hear about Jamie Ben struggling, and I mean, I'm gonna quickly get up his hoggy DB page because I feel like. He's never quite been as good as when he won the Art Ross. And I think he makes $9.5 million now. And I am not saying that he does. Because that his salary, and we have been guilty on this podcast of saying that a certain amount of money means you should start playing a certain way. I've now changed my mind on that, and I'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, what I mean is that Jamie Ben, when you look at the grand scheme of things, probably shouldn't be making that amount of money. Because 53 points last year, 79 before that, 69. He hasn't eclipsed 80 points since he won the Art Ross. And that's on the Dallas no, start. The year, a- the year after. The year after. Yeah, sorry. 89. Playing with Jamie Bat. Sorry, playing with Tyler Sagan, who's probably the most underrated centerman in the league, and Alex Radulov, who has been nothing but dynamite since he got to Dallas. So I'm just six points in 17 games for Jamie Ben. One goal. That's just okay. not good. Okay, I have a question. Yes, what? he's horse bleep. He, he, pardon? Yes, he's horse bleep. No, 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 no. It, it's actually not that. It's a serious question. Um, what does Jamie Ben have to do, whether it be points wise or whether it be uh, on the ice defensively or just playmaking? What does Jamie Ben have to do to live up to that nine and a half? Because he he's thirty, right? Like it's not like he's. Old. Maybe he's just past his, or he's hitting the end of his prime. 
what does Jamie Ben have to do to hit that threshold? He needs to be an 80-point, three-goal scorer. And I think he scored three goals once in the past three seasons. He needs yes. to be a dominant player. And it's not like Jamie Ben. I question as a leader, because if you remember, I think this was two seasons ago, he had that temper tantrum on the bench where he broke three sticks. That's not somebody that should be leading your team. Right. I'm just I I've I've slowly but surely like turned away from being a Jamie Ben fan. And I hate to discount what Dallas are doing right now, but Victor Mete has three times as many goals as you do, and that's a problem. <laughs> but anyway, um talking a team that I'm happy to be suing so I'm happy to see be doing better to a team that I just I'm so annoyed with them. The Buffalo Sabres have lost oh. four Oh, God dang it. Oh. So can I can I uh just throw a stat out there for you? Yeah. So if this isn't PDO regression, actually we're gonna talk about another team uh in a couple minutes who's also had a major PDO regression. Do you wanna know what the Sabres PDO for the first twelve games was? What? One oh three point six. You know what? You want to know what the last five games have been? What? (laughs) 95. Oh, yeah. So, like, now they're sitting, their average PDO is sitting at 100.8. So, this is how I guess they're going to play. Like, they're going to average out. They're not, I, I know you really like Ralph Kruger, but Ralph Kruger is not Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz had that team on a PDO bender the entire year last year, and he's basically continued it into this season. But that's well, the way it's the defense first system in the aisle, right? So, and they also have somewhat consistent goalie goalies in New York, whereas in Buffalo, I I don't know about that. Well, Carter Hutton still, I believe, his save percentage is in the 920s. Yeah, 921. It's just Linus Allmark. And also, I think Jeff's, um, not Jeff Skinner, I believe Jack Eichel only has, I think, three in his past five games, which for him, it's all right for a normal player, not for Jack Eichel. Uh, Jeff Skinner, I will look up right now because I haven't heard much about him this year, which is uh, bad news. Jeff Skinner, he has 10 points in 17 games with seven goals. Okay, so he's been doing his thing. But he's not. What's wrong with Linus Olmark? He's he's not has a nine fifteen save percentage, three three and one. He's lost his last two games. Uh, Carter Hudden has lost his last four. Then I guess what is it with Buffalo? Because I I don't. Is it really as simple as the PDOs averaging itself out? And it, I think it's it, never it, going to get off this skin. I don't want to see the Sabres drop the ball again. I, I think it has, it's more the goalies than it is. And well, I mean, your goalies are part of your PDO, but I, I really think it has to do with goalies because you look at this team, right? You see Jack Eichel, uh, Sam Reinhart, Darlene, Jeff Skinner, Marcus Johansson, Casey Middlestat, uh, even Rasmus Ristolainen, like these are good players at the end of the day. And you know what else doesn't really help them? 
They've only scored six goals in their last four games. Yeah, and remember that guy everyone was talking about for the first how many games? Uh, Mo Johansson? Or Rasmus no, uh, Mr. Victor Olofsson? Oh, yes. Uh, um, hmm, let's see. He scored last night, didn't he? Not, I think he scored I last he... night, and then one, two, three, seven, eight, nine, nine games. He did not score in nine straight games. Well, at least his goal last night was at even strength. Yeah, but mem- we, I remember everyone saying, or a lot of people saying, "Oh, Victor Olsen's just going to continue scoring goals." And it's like they didn't even plan for him not scoring goals because now the team has lost five straight. I think we should also keep in mind that their last, the series that they just had against the Tampa Bay Lightning, was in Sweden. Right, so it's not going to be fun. That's the thing. That's the thing. The trial when they come back is not going to be fun. I always think of the Senators after they got Duchesne. They went overseas, came back, and then ended up uh, being terrible. Yeah, man. The try, and we're gonna get to the the global series in a bit for next year. But there, there's some questions that should be asked about this. Yeah. Well, Alex, I'm going to read you some numbers here. This goalie is a 904 save percentage, a 2.5 goals against average. Another gentleman, a goalie that I think we're all a fan of, a 901 with a 3.09 goals against average. It was a team that I was concerned about when it comes to goaltending, and they have lost four straight games. I'm talking, of course, about who? The Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes. I feel like the the Carolina Hurricanes and the Buffalo Sabres are in a very similar situation. Uh, we've both been talking about them, and this it's the same concern. It comes down to their goalies. Yeah. We know the team up front, like the the forwards. I think Carolina is a really good team. Defense, I think Carolina probably has one of the most, like, has the best depth for for their defense. They're not playing. Who's uh, Hayden Flurry is scratched? Has been scratched the last four games. Uh, that's uh, Kale Flurry's brother. Did they ever? You know, you know Kale Flurry. Yes, yeah, I remember Hayden scored against the Habs. Um, serious question here: Did they ever end up trading that an extra defenseman, or have they just been sitting on it? Right no, now? they've been sitting on it. It's because Ostrinaho uh, only has eleven points in seventeen games, six goals, which for him is not good enough. Right? Yeah, no, that's not good enough. Um, he'll pick it. I won't be surprised if he doesn't pick it up. They've had four. They've had four straight games of below nine hundred save percentage, which isn't good. So, is it a matter of their goalie is just coming back down to reality, or because listen, they have Peter Mrazek and James Reimer. I, I I don't know what else to say. Oh, yeah, it, like you said, it's 100% goal thing. Svechnikov's point per game. Dougie Hamilton is point per game. All those big players that I think they were hoping to take that next step are doing it, but it seems to be that, yes, Peter Mrazek and James Reimer are just 
unfortunately not not been good enough is it a matter like again i i found their pdo just because i thought it was this one was this one's more interesting than the sabers one like this is a dip their first 13 games they had a 102.3 their last four games have been 87.5 like they've really dipped so i i don't know if they're really swinging to the left uh, going down and then they'll average themselves back out. I I really don't know, but the only problem I have with that is is just it's it's Peter Mrazek, who has been so up and down. And, but that's the thing we saw him last year. How up and down was Peter Mrazek last year? If I remember correctly, it wasn't until the back half of the season that he was really good. It was me. I just I kept hearing about Curtis McElhinney. And I feel like it's the same situation again. I feel like they think they've gotten themselves a one-two punch, but they really they really don't. Like I'm sorry, I love James Reimer, but I don't know how much. It, it's not like the situation in in Boston or the situation in Dallas where they have a really good starter and, and a good backup. Oh, hold on. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. Sorry about that. I was, I was just getting ready for the next part and that's right. I'm sorry. go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So it, it, they, they're in a very weird situation where they ha- don't know if they have a, even have something close to a solidified starter. Would you consider Peter Mrazek a solidified starter? Oh god, god no. Uh, nowhere, nowhere in the no. He had the one good year. We talked about it before. He had the one good year in Detroit, and then since then it's just no. and then last year. Yes. Which again, like like we were just talking about, wasn't the whole year. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say to this team, yeah. Well, we'll see. The The Metro is still a bit of a mess right now. Speaking of a team that might be a big mess, considering they've lost arguably the best player in the world, arguably, Sidney Crosby last night. Now, there were two different plays. He's He left the game with unspecified lower body injury. There yeah. was a shot he took or he blocked, and there was also a, a tie-up he had with Eric Gustafson against the Blackhawks. It didn't look that bad, but it was bad enough where he left. And we know that Crosby this year is literally going to die bringing the Penguins into the playoffs. So what yeah, does that's mean that they could lose him? It, it That would be a lot because I'm thinking of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And sure, I think they just got Evgeny Malkin back. But this is going to be tough because... Who else is scoring on this team? There is one guy. I'm going to mention him in a second, though. Is it Brian Rust? Yeah, it is. Well, he has six, seven points in six games. Yeah, I know. We'll talk he about started, He started the season. On, did he not start the season on the IR? I believe he did, yes. But what are the chances Brian Rust keeps up any type of pace like this? Well, do you want to know why I mentioned Brian Rust? Tell me. Brian Rust is a hero. Not all heroes wear capes. The New York Islanders, their winning streak ended. 
And it was thanks to a two-goal performance by Ryan Rust, including the OT winner. So I just wanted to mention Brian Rust is a real hero. And he slew the dreaded Islanders. And they're going to send them back to the bottom of the league where they deserve to be. I thought you liked the New York Islanders. Um, it's not that I don't like them. It's that I don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be wrong. Okay. And you said, and, and remind of, me what, remind me what you said. Sorry. Just that. I don't believe in the Islanders and I think they're going to bottom up by the end of the season. Okay. But Alex, me and you are used to being wrong in the two on one podcast, especially about Jonathan quick. I don't, I, you sent me, you sent me that in the notes. So I went to go look at his stats, but why don't you tell everyone what happened? So I wanted to mention it now because obviously it's going to be a bit different later on, but, uh, because I want to focus more on Montreal, but yeah, he was in net for the Kings last night and I believe he had a nine nineteen, but he was gave given the third star and oh my God, he was so good for them. He was. Here's the poor thing about Jonathan Quick. Shea Weber had two goals by the end of the night. Sorry, by the end of the first period. That means Shea Weber is looking for a hat trick for two periods on you in a t- in a game where the Kings took a lot of penalties. So it was Weber bomb, Weber bomb. He had a game saver on Tomas Tatar. He was lights out last night. He was the reason that the Kings almost got back in that game. So I just wanted to mention Jonathan Quick. He uh, he almost made Montreal look very foolish last night. So he's played how many games? Played about 10, I believe. Yeah, 10 mm-hmm. games. Can you tell me how many times he's had a save percentage over 900? Um, I'm going to say two. Three. He's had three. But you know what the most interesting part about that was? Have they all Let been Eastern me- teams, maybe? No, no. It's he's so last night he had a 919 mm-hmm. against Winnipeg, he had a 929, and against Calgary, he had a 958. The rest of his performances have been below 900. So it is the Andrew Berkshire train of he has one good game a month, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know about John. I think now, now, now that I'm talking about it. Who's the most inconsistent starting goalie? Is it Jonathan Quick or is it Martin Jones? Um, I would still say Martin Jones. Ah, no, because at least Quick has some cups. Jones has not done anything. I'll say you know what? I'll say Jones because at least he had some playoff stuff and regular season he's been good. But Quick hasn't been a like a top. 10 starting goalie in the regular season for like the past five years. Past five years? I don't think so. Oh, no, he was back and forth because he's had injuries. No, no, I think you're right. It's quick. It's just because everything's been so up and down for him. You want to know a trade that I didn't understand from one point of view, Alex? I think I do know it, but why don't you tell us? So the Detroit Red Wings traded Jacob De La Rose in exchange for Robbie Fabry. Now, I know a lot about Jacob De La Rose because he was drafted and developed by the Habs from her first overall pick, but was nothing more than a fourth liner. No insult to him, he just wasn't that good. Robbie Fabry has had a lot of injury problems, but honestly, 
it seems to be another player that Steve Eiserman has acquired and is a reclamation project. Had a two-goal performance against the Boston Bruins. I just don't understand if you're the Blues. Yes, you probably want this guy to succeed and it's not working, but the best you could get back was Jacob De La Rose? Does Steve Eiserman just have something on 30 other gentlemen managers? Does he know what's in their closets? I have no idea. You you kind of said what I was going to say. It was a matter of um, Doug Armstrong uh, kind of came out and said, yeah, like we just wanted him to succeed. And what maybe the, the Red Wings were the only, I, I don't know, were they the only team that was giving something of consequence? Like I can't imagine what other teams were giving or offering. It's, so. it's crazy. But that's another potential top six player for the for the Detroit Red Wings. You know what? He's a guy. He doesn't make a whole... I don't think his contract is that terrible. So just good... I hate Steve Eiserman. Like, I <laughs> made Tampa into what they are now, right? You, you, you steal Julian Breezebaugh. Julian Breezebaugh, by the way, was the assistant GM of the Habs, and he ran the, at the time, Hamilton Bulldogs, Montreal's AHL affiliate, when they won the Calder Cup. So then he she goes over to Detroit, thanks to, you know, sorry, to Tampa with Stevie Y. Stevie Y makes Tampa into a complete monster, you know, steals Sergeyev for Jonathan Druin, which until now has looked like a one-sided trade. Then he goes to Detroit, and he's going to make them a st- like a superstar team in two to three years. I cannot stand that the Atlantic Division is getting more and more competitive. Bullcrap. God damn it, Steve Eisenman. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. that he go down as a better general manager than he was a player. And that is saying something. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I don't know what, how this guy does it. It's incredible. He has something against the other GMs. He, he There's something. Obviously. He knows he, what's in someone's lock, block, um, lock box somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, Alex. <laughs> I don't really care about global series games because I can't watch them because it's late. But the Boston Bruins and the Nashville Predators will have one in 2020 in the Czech yeah. Republic, of course, in Prague. to Big Z Chara. And then the Colorado Avalanche and the Columbus Blue Jackets will have a game in Finland. Jonas Corposalo there, of course. Uh, Miko Ranson are the two stars there. Also, I forgot Roman Yossi's also Czech, I believe. So, yeah. Um, what do you make of these games? This is this is interesting, uh, and ultimately, I wonder what the NHL is tr- is trying to do, because if you think about it, hockey in they all these places that they're going to, Finland, uh, they just went to Sweden, the Czech Republic. Most of them have their own hockey league. Now, yes. is it a, is it a, is it as popular? Um, as the NHL, probably not because in all these countries, I'd have to guess soccer might be more popular. Uh, I don't know for a fact. I'm just throwing that idea out there. I, I wonder what the NHL is trying to do. Is it trying to attract more players? Is it trying to attract more fans? I Because at the end of the day, it kind of messes with the team teams that go there because number one the travel is not fun the time difference messes with the players 
and you're li- really playing two games there. Yeah. Uh, it. I don't know. I'd have to know what they're trying to do there before I could say it makes sense. Like, I love the idea of spreading the game everywhere. But at the end of the day, Finland has its own hockey uh, hockey league. Um, Sweden has its own hockey league. I imagine the Czech Republic has one as well. It does. Yager owns a team there. Right. I forgot about that. So what is their goal is what I would want to know. I mean, you look at the national teams like Sweden and Finland, the game has grown there. You you look at the players that have come out of there, your Lionies, your Ehlers, your Kutkin Yemis, uh, Alexi Hipponiemi, all those guys have been coming out of there. So yeah, it doesn't it feels like they should be going to China, but apparently they're not, which is really but weird. Chi- China would but China would be worse. China not not from a from a it'd be worse from a travel standpoint. Going to China, right? Going the game, right? Because I thought they were in competition with the KHL trying to break into China. Oh, the the KHL already broke into China. So Devontae Smith-Pelly just signed for the the uh, KHL team in China. I don't, I don't get what the league are doing. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent. Like, I think the the idea of promoting the game is there. Um, I just don't know if it if it really benefits the teams no it'll be nice for your yossi's your char and chars and that to play you know for your like the hometown people and they're gonna love it but i don't in the grand scheme of things i I mean i'm not gonna watch it based on the time zone difference so like not my team playing so I, i you know i don't have much to say about it uh, unfortunately, the next thing I had in the power hour because you know it was going to be a little later, but it was to check the MLS game. But I'm assuming oh. it has just started. Yeah, they're singing the national anthem. Yeah, love the national anthem, don't you? I don't get people who don't like the national anthems in sport. So, I don't know. Uh, Nick Felino is going to get suspended, right? Uh, yeah, he has a hearing. Um, not don't remember. I'll check when the hearing is. Uh, so, yes, he will get suspended. Did he, you see the hit? I so before we think we started recording, I watched it about four or five times. And is that uh, is that a suspendable hit? He yes, he left his feet and got his elbow up. Nick Felino is not a dirty player, but he deserves to get a few games for this. Uh, absolutely, I feel. He, thank God, Bellamar had his helmet on because. The elbow was terrible, but hitting your head on the ice is, is I there's nothing I hate to see more than that happen. The hearing is tomorrow. It doesn't say if it's in person or not, but um, I saw the hit and I saw a lot of people uh, kind of against the him being suspended, and I thought it was interesting because they were making it out to seem as if Felino was moving out of the way, but. If you go watch the hit carefully, it seems like uh, Bellamar was slowing down or trying to move out of the way from the hit himself rather than Felino. I don't know if you noticed that or if that was just me. Sorry, say that again? That in, in, people are making it out to seem that Nick uh, that Felino was trying to move out of the way to from the hit. Because if you look at the video, it could seem that one of the players is moving trying to move away because they don't fully they don't fully collide 
But if you watch it carefully, it looks like Bellomar is slowing down and trying to move out of the way. Rather than Felino is moving like moving out of the way. I'm just gonna get it up one more time and and, and have a look, but I mean from the, how much I saw it, I was pretty sure that no, like well it's interesting no one went after Felino. I don't know if it's because of his reputation, but it, it didn't from what I saw it had it did not look like to me that Nick Felino was trying to stop it at all. So I'm just going to... I didn't get that either. I didn't get that idea either. I got the idea that Belmar was trying to move out of the way. Oh, boy. Even the commentators straight away were like, no, he yeah, he's getting suspended. <laughs> it's like, at first, you don't even think he hits him, right? But, like, the guy getting hit, like, you expect to be on the floor. But the worst part about throwing hit is if you end up on the floor, then that's clear indication you've left your feet. And the guy does. It's it's there's no denying it. Yeah. Yeah, he oh he left his feet. You could see it. Yeah. That's that that like, you ever seen that famous I uh, who what was the hit? It was uh, the former Coyotes player. It was uh I, I his name is on the tip of my tongue. I cannot remember. Jeff Merrick would, God bless his ability to retain these guys. Steve Downey. It was the Steve Downey hit when he like Superman leaves his feet. It's not that bad, but like I'm just getting flashbacks to that. So if I if I asked you, Alex, what what game? How many games does does, uh, does Nick Flino get for this this elbow? I want to say like something like five, but I feel like that's I feel like it might be more than that. But I'm going based on that his suspension history or his. If he's a repeat offender, I don't think he's gotten a suspension in the last 18 months. I could be wrong about that. But based on that alone, I think it'll end up being somewhere around five, if not ten. Well, we will soon find out. Again, I don't think it'll be that high just because is Felino a repeat offender? I don't think so. Yeah, they. I don't. I can't remember the last time they gave out that big a suspension. I mean, it's a different debate if they should or not. But just based on the history of player safety and especially George Peros's his tenure there. Yeah. No. So moving on to unfortunately some bad news. Uh, poor uh, Brian Little. I feel yeah. bad. So the guy suffers from a, a pepper. I'm sorry. A perforated eardrum. And vertigo after getting a puck to the head. Yeah, and I believe he started the year, uh, and he missed time with a concussion. That is, he he is expected to make a full recovery. Yes, you're right. After missing the first nine games of the season with a concussion. So, I mean, he's pretty much out for the foreseeable future, but he'll make a full recovery, as yeah. uh, Paul Maurice said. But that kind of stems a bigger argument is what is happening with the Winnipeg Jets. See, exactly. So they assigned um, Vili Hanola back to Sweden. Sorry, to Finland. 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 A guy who, of course, was their 20th overall pick in the draft. He had, no, I didn't think he was, that this was the season he was having. He had five points in eight games with the Jets. Then he got hurt. Then they sent him down to Manitoba. 
And I guess because he's only played eight NHL games, they've decided to assign him back to Finland, which in the grand scheme of things, I guess is, is best for his development if they really didn't think he was fitting in. And of course, HockeyDB doesn't give you all the information they need, but the Dustin Bufflin situation has just gotten, you know, day after day, it sounds worse and worse. Well, we nothing's really changed since the last time we talked about it. See, I listened to Dangle's pod and how Adam Wilde broke it down. And they went into, like, the really nitty-gritty of it. And it just sounds like everything that can be going wrong for Winnipeg right now it is is going. Because they have Line A, who's, who's turned into a different player, right? But the back end just seems to be getting worse and worse. I believe Tucker Pullman did get hurt. I don't know for how long. I don't think it's long-term, but he's gone. Hanola's now gone. It doesn't look like Bufflin's going to come back. I would be amazed if, if he did, but even if he was going to, that's not until, what, another three, four months? Pullman, Pullman played last night. Okay, never mind, and it was probably... But, you know, anyway, Bufflin is now... Adam Larry is out if, if their center depth wasn't a problem enough. So... It is now. And imagine you're the Jets in the Central Division, and you have Dallas is getting better and better. The Blues have won seven straight games. Colorado, even without Landis Cog and McKinnon, sorry, Landis Cog and Renton, and McKinnon's still pulling them along. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. So I pulled up their daily face-off. Their center depth, they have Mark Shifley. Then they got they are playing Blake Wheeler as their second line center, uh, Adam Lowry as their third line center, and David Gustafson as their fourth line center. Is there a more extra player named than Gustafson? No, there's a the thing is with Gustafson is there's a lot of players with that last name, but they're all spelt differently. That's that's crazy. For yeah. some context, by the way, Alex. So the Jets have 19 points or another, two ahead of Dallas, who have won four straight, by the way, to give you some confidence that Dallas are getting up there. The moment the Stars pass the Jets, which I'm confident they will, the Jets are they're five points ahead of Chicago, but that's where they are with the Central. They cannot afford to fall behind, but I just don't see how they're going to stay floating. So the, the interesting thing with Winnipeg is that... Their save percentage is above average, but their shooting percentage is below average. And I, I find that interesting because we talk about Connor Hellebuck and we talk about how he's also another inconsistent starting goalie. Like, right? Like, we would you consider him consistent? Un- unproven, not inconsistent. Okay, because unproven. This is, been, this is only his third year as a starter. Okay, we'll call him unproven. And you think their shooting percentage would be up because they have players like Mark Shifley, like Patrick Laine, like Nikolai Ehlers. More so, well, more Patrick Laine and Nikolai Ehlers, I guess, who can put the puck in the back of the net. Patrick Laine only has three goals this year. How are his points overall? How many assists? He has 14 points, so he has 11 assists. Okay, you know what? With Line A, the thing is, he has to put it all together now. 
They need him to be that scoring threat. I, I just think I, I, I'm I'm willing to give That's him so away because he had to fix his game so he could be trusted by Paul Maurice. I find that so funny that you say that because remember last year, everyone or a lot of people were complaining that all he does is just shoot, 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 and he doesn't. He's not good at anything else. Now he's changed how he plays, and now everyone wants him back to being a goal scorer. Now listen before you before you start. He has a shooting percentage of five point eight, and and I know it's only been fifteen games, so that's that's an all time low. Like he's been, uh, his first year he had a seventeen, uh, percent shooting or seventeen shooting percent percent shooting percentage. Sorry, uh, eighteen the year after, and then last year I had twelve. So his shooting percentage will go up. Which means he will score more goals. Yeah. Right. So so, so. so I I find it hard to believe that he's changed his game. But no, I, I'm sorry. I don't find it hard to believe that he's changed his game. I find it hard to believe that he's gonna continue down this path where he's gonna end the year with a shooting percentage around this number. Same. Yeah. Anything else to say on Winnipeg? And they have Laurent Bersouat. Bersouat. <laughs> All right, Alex. Um, I am not excited to talk about this, but it needs to happen anyway. Right. So, last night, I didn't, because of course I was at the game live, so I did not see this at first, but... Normally, there's always some stuff coming out of Coach's Corner because that's Coach's Corner. Not like that. Not this bad. Not, not this bad. So, here's a quote from Don Cherry. You people, you love our way of life. You love our milk and honey. At least you can pay a... At, he doesn't even say it properly. At least you can pay a couple of bucks for a poppy or something like that, Cherry said. These guys paid for our way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the biggest price. This was last night on Coach's Corner, him talking about how he doesn't see as many poppies. Now, Alex, I want to start this off because he's referring to immigrants here, right? I myself am an immigrant. I may, like, I- I'm white, so, you know, I don't get for it because it's not like I'm I'm from Adam Mexico. Adam so no why? no no let me let me let me just do this no why I, did you swear did I, I? yeah oh I'm sorry anyway that's fine so like I'm just I don't right you know I'm I'm unfortunate like others but I am one so and I I I was in army cadets and I I spent a lot of time with vets that and doing poppy sales myself right. I understand why he would be upset about it, but at the same time, this is nothing more than plain racism. So I'm going to read the Sportsnet statement. I'm going to just read some stuff from some guys I've seen on Twitter, Alex. So excuse me for just going on for a bit here. I just I no want time to just frame this. So this is from Sportsnet. Uh, Sportsnet president... Bart Yabsley. Quote, Dom's discriminatory comments are offensive and they do not represent all value, our values 
and what we stand for as a network. We have spoken with Dawn about the severity of this issue, and we sincerely apologize for these divisive remarks. Now, I'm going to read you a tweet from Dmitry Filipovich. If you keep sending him out there every Saturday, knowing that he routinely says, then technically, knowing what he routinely says, then technically it does represent your network and what you stand for as a network. Uh, Lexi Brown, who's probably one of my favorite hockey followers, just says, boo. Next, I'm going to bring up Adam Wilde. Poppies, question mark, great campaign. Don's history, faulty. Maybe he's forgotten the British, French, and German empires, troops from India, Southeast Asia, and Africa who volunteered to fight for mother countries that didn't treat them as equal citizens. They fought for us to our freedom. There was also this thing, I believe it was from like a military like Twitter account saying people can, can, can represent stuff in their own ways. You don't have to wear a poppy, right? Hell, in some places in the world, it's offensive to wear one. This is from the NHL. Hockey is at its best when it brings people together. The comments made last night were offensive and contrary to the values we believe in. Now, I had a thing of, you know what? Don Cherry is 85. He's never going to change, which is all true. But it is at a point now where this isn't an old dude talking about the old ways of hockey, right? This isn't yeah. just him talking about Alex McGillney standing up. Crosby shouldn't be fighting. This is racism. And this is not what the world is like anymore. Sportsnet, a network that me, you, me and you, Alex, we dream that one day maybe we can work there. But Don Cherry cannot be on that network anymore talking like this. I'm amazed that there was not some sort of statement about him apologizing, saying we've talked to him, is not good enough. And I will not be surprised, Alex, if in the next few days we find out that last night was the last episode of Coach's Corner with Don Cherry. That's all I have to say. I'm probably going to repeat a lot of what you said, but I I don't, to be honest, I don't care because I got to do it uh, anyways. How many t- I mean, not necessarily in this podcast, uh, just when we're talking, how many times have we complained about about Don Cherry? There's been they uh, we had one episode where I believe we had two different segments talking about him, but it's it's been it's been a, a popular topic at the end of the day, this is really we I, I don't know a different way to phrase it, so I'm gonna phrase it the way I want. I, this is going to sound really weird, but I respect what he's done in this, in sport media because he's built the platform so that you and I, I think what he's done in Canadian sports media has allowed us to do what we're doing now, right? Him, think about what he does. He just, he just talks about hockey for seven minutes. You get what you get that idea? Yeah. You get what I'm get that idea. I'm not saying what he's he's done is right. I think I've given him the benefit of the doubt time and time again because he's done that, but now I'm just tired of it. I, yeah. I I'm I, I'm I'm over this idea. Like I've heard him talk about Russians, I've heard him heard him talk about Europeans. Like, man, it's not the eighties or the seventies. Like the Cold War is over. Yeah. 
Like this it's 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 kind of ridiculous. And I'm someone who wants everyone to like hockey as much as I do. So I, I saw this tweet from our friend uh, Ryerson Abir. She said, hockey isn't for everyone when people like this are still employed and given the platform to spread hate. And I actually comment on, commented on it. I said, as someone who loves watching hockey, I want everyone to be able to love the game as much as I do. But it's really hard to get that message across when almost on an when on an almost weekly basis there's some type of controversy when it comes to coach's corner i i think i'm really t- like the thing is i'm not i can't fully understand the impact it has on other people but i i get this is wrong like this is not supposed to be happening you know what should have been the biggest story coming out of last night tell me it should have been the cade foster stuff how the Leafs bring him out in front of oh, the crowd, yeah. make a cake. Does he, the arena sings him happy birthday? They bring him to the game. That should have been the story. It should have either been, oh, here we go, Leafs shootout loss, stuff like, oh, why that? Like, it should have been hockey. It should have been feel good stories. But instead, it's that. And I have a couple things to say. Like, I get the sports net thing, right? That's very fair. Uh, they really should do something. And I think we had a we had a text conversation this morning about it, and it and there's a lot of business implications when it comes to something like this. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to justify what he what he said or what Sportsnet will or will not do. But the reality is, there's a lot of business implications when it comes to something like this. Um, the NHL, I don't know if you saw the NHL PR put out a statement as well, kind of saying the same thing as it's very similar to the Sportsnet one. And I saw a lot of people complaining or commenting that the, NH, the NHL has to do something. Um, I'm just going to, and I know I'm just going to get slack for this, but they can't do anything. The it's NHL. It's decision. Right. They're, the NHL is bringing in you want they're bringing like 450 million dollars a year just from rogers it, it's probably an overpriced nhl tv deal for canada to be honest um so the nhl is really not going to tell rogers what to do what they can and cannot have on tv and i respect people for voicing their opinions and saying that the nhl should do something but if you really want to tell someone what to do go and say so, go put this on rod like this is really a rogers thing right now um else like i i'm i'd really just be repeating everything adam said so yeah like it's just ridiculous like i'm really tired of it i mean normally you'll see him trending on twitter for maybe a few hours after the game yeah but, but it's before a hockey tape now I know, but like now you see that it's different. Like it, 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 how bad this comment has been from his other ones that, you know, if you go on Twitter, it's, it's more than just, you know, me and you are going to see sports stuff trending because it's the for you stuff, but Fire Cherry, Sportsnet trending like Canada wide. I know a beer, right? She's not a massive hockey fan. She'll like make fun of the Habs in class with me, right? But to see her say something like that, it said something. 
And then you have, like, the idiots on Twitter saying, well, we support Don Cherry. Okay, boomer. You know, that stuff. Like, calm down now. Um, what are your thoughts on people saying that Ron McLean should be fired as well? Because Sorry, I, sorry who, I don't you, it, cut, it, cut, it, it cut out, Adam, 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 it cut out. Say it again. What are your thoughts on the people saying that Ron McLean should be fired as well? So, I'm, there's two sides to this. I, I take this this discussion uh with with two angles one from a sport media or a sport media type of side and one from just being a person yes ron i'm not saying ron mclean should be fired but i think as a person it's easy to say he should have said something but at the same time i think about the two of us and if you let's say one of us said something extremely controversial say if i did no 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 uh, yeah but th that's because i'm talking I, d I didn't mean that if one of us said something i didn't mean it that way if one of us said something controversial i don't know if i necessarily i don't know if i i would necessarily call you out on the podcast i would definitely say something to you outside of the podcast yeah and I don't know how I don't know how many people understand this idea, um, but the show is like seven minutes long. They're on a schedule. Ron can't Ron can't stop the show. Pardon? People were saying that like here's Ron nodding and like giving the thumbs up. No, no. If Ron is nodding, that's just like that. Alex. I don't know about you. Anytime I've ever done an interview, no matter what someone's saying to me, I nod because it's a thing of you're right. listening. Ron is in a very any, difficult position. If you watch Ron, any episode of Coach's Corner, and you know for a fact that Ron McLean cannot control Don Cherry. Oh man, there's stories. I don't. There was. I don't know how realistic this is, but there's the that movie that they made years ago about Don Cherry. Have you seen it? It's a two d two disc movie, I and they. So I, I I watched it, and it's like he was aggressive at the beginning. Like he was he was not nice to Ron McLean. The things he used to say about like like especially French people was was bad. Yeah, but he just hasn't gone with the times, and he hasn't realized that the world's changed. Yes, just, and I I don't know if this is ages for me to say because he's at an age where he's just set in his ways. Yeah, but and I and we had that discussion this morning as well. And my response was that can't be an excuse for someone in his position. I I can't see that be. I I understand that it's a point, but he's not a random guy on Twitter, or he's not some guy with a thousand followers. This guy is someone who people across across the country watch. Every single weekend, you need. He needs to know what he's saying. He needs to get the point that he can't say this. And if he, they have another episode of Coach's Corner, and something is said again, that might be the last straw. But shouldn't should there be? No, no, there really shouldn't. No, there really shouldn't. He's not there, an intern that's messed up something, and you like you're giving the warning. Like I know, he's like a guy I, spent how long coaching people, and and he's been on the air for so long. He should know the rules. 
I know you should know the rules anymore. But there's um there's quite a few business things, business implications when it comes to this situation. No, and I, I, I don't feel like getting into like I don't know if you want to get into it, but I would imagine, and we have to be careful what we say here. But let's just say a hypothetical, Alex. If you were through my company, let's say I had an amazing broadcast studio called called AdamNet. Okay, right? AdamNet. And there was Alex's Corner. Right. I would have a thing, in, I, and I think every employee at Sportsnet would have this, or in any general workspace, that if there is some sort of discriminatory, discriminatory, you know, I'm so sorry. Any discriminatory, sort of yeah. thing that you should say, that should mean your immediate dismissal of the company. So, yes, Sportsnet has had its problems because it had to get rid of Nick Kiprios. It had to get rid of Bob McCowan and that. But if it, I don't think there's no way Don Cherry could have this thing of what well, he could be owed or some sort of payout because I'm sure there's something in his contract or any sort of policy for Rogers about racist comment. Yeah, so I thought about that after I sent that text about the payout, and I, I, I and I kind of realized that wasn't the point. The that was the wrong point I was trying to get across. Um, I think it's a matter of ratings. But do people really watch him anymore? I don't. I, I know you don't, but there's obviously quite a few people because every weekend I see half the, between the first intermission, I see so many tweets about Coach's Corner. So how do people know what he's talking about? They, they're obviously watching it. I'm not saying what he did was right. Well, uh, I, I, let me get that. I let me get that. Let me get that out there. I'm just telling you, like the business, the business side of it. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Do you get what I'm? I, you get what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I do. You want to move on? Like I. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. This. We don't. It, I don't want to get too deep on that. On this. All right. Um, you wanted to talk about a really interesting topic that. He's yeah. very controversial, and I agree with it. This isn't racism, by the way. This is load management. The <laughs> idea of resting your star players so they would be fresh for the playoffs. I think a lot of people in Toronto really started understanding it when Kawhi Leonard was a thing. So, so you, it was yeah. actually last year that that was the real start of load management. Um, I was watching, I don't know if you know who this is, Jalen Rose. He used to play in the NBA. He works for uh, ESPN. He actually played in Toronto for a couple of years. He was saying that it's resting, uh, not resting, rehabilitating an injury and load management are actually two different things. Load management is just resting your players. They don't have an injury. And... Last year, I think it was a little bit different with Kawhi because he there he was coming off a really bad injury. Um, he had only played nine. I think he played only nine games the year before. So, it, it, I think this year is where we're actually seeing load management. And I wanted to bring this up to you because a lot of people in LA are pissed about this load management situation. And I can imagine why, because imagine paying hundreds of dollars because going to see a basketball game in LA is like going to see a hockey game in Toronto. It's not cheap. Imagine paying hundreds of dollars for tickets and not seeing one of the best players in the NBA. 
Uh, I, I could argue, myself being a half season ticket holder, that I don't mind if, example, if Carrier Price isn't the starter that night, but at the same time, basketball is a much different beast. And goalies are a very particular position, and it's it's a completely it's different, different scenario. It's Pardon? different in Montreal. Well, no, it's different in Montreal because it, it's Carey Price, dude. Right. But no, anyway. I get that. The reason I wanted to talk about this is because we don't actually see a lot of load management in the NHL. And it's been taught, like last year I saw it talked about uh, within Toronto media quite a bit because it was such a big topic. Do you ever see something like load management being brought into the NHL? Well, I, I can think of two things right off the start. Apparently, I remember Freeman talking about this, that the, the Ducks were thinking of doing it with Ryan Getzlaff. And Getzlaff had told Freeman, Freeman had then gone to the Ducks, and then they had told Freeman, yeah, he wasn't supposed to tell you about that, which I'm sure that's something you want to talk about in a second, about the, the league don't want it. But I also think of Dallas, and for the past while, they have had to use two goalies in that platoon system because of how crappy their travel is. But that's been more of a necessity. People strate- strategically using it hasn't really been a, been, been a thing in the NHL, but I think it should be. I, I think the, the thing is, first off, basketball and hockey – are two completely different sports. One person, one player can absolutely dominate for a team and carry them to the playoffs. We've seen it in the in the NHL where two players dominate a team and they still don't make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's very it's a completely different uh, situation, and I think goalies themselves are a completely different conversation. Yeah, because in the NBA, LeBron James can score and do all this, but the problem is in in the NHL, the 14-15 season, without Carey Price, the Habs don't make the playoffs, but the problem in hockey is a goalie can't score a goal. Right, right. So, personally, I think it'd be interesting to see what a team could do with something like load management, but... In a different way that the the NBA is doing it, because if you look at the end, the way the some NBA teams are doing, it, they're resting players that are in their prime. I don't think that's what you do, right? That's not when I think of load management. That I don't think of saying, okay, Kawhi, okay, um, who else? Like Anthony Davis or some a big superstar who's in their prime. That's not the guy I wanna. I want to load ma- uh, put under load management. I'm thinking somewhat like someone who's older. So let's say let's look at uh, I'm going to use the Leafs. I'm really sorry. I'm it's so fine. sorry. Let's say last year. Let's go to Patrick Marlowe. That's someone I I want to do like have load management with. Right? He's almost forty. He's should he's playing all these minutes because Babcock wants to play him all these minutes. But he's playing 82 games. That doesn't seem reasonable, especially with the way the game is going. Do you know what I think, if there was going to be load management, what rule needs to be put in place? Tell me. Again, and this was from 31 Thoughts, because I obviously had to drive to Montreal. I I had a lot of 31 Thoughts downloaded, so... um, 
I got a lot, a lot of Jeff Merrick's wacky ideas in my head. But it was the thing of your healthy scratches, you should be able to dra- dress them. Sorry, dress them in a situation. Like, if you're Tampa last year, don't sit there and tell me you don't want to rest Hedman down the stretch. Because he got hurt, and look how much it derailed their series against Columbus. Being able to dress those guys, A, first of all, if you're Mike Babcock, you can finally start playing guys like avoid the Frankie Corrala, Justin Hall situation again. And if there are all those nights that if you're up in the third, you rest those guys, people going to your games will still see your stars play for some of the game. And I think that's a, the big argument for people is they want to go see those stars. And so that's I, the thing. You can do that. And you can do that in basketball. Yeah. Right. You can't do that in hockey. You can dress 15, 15, uh, not 50. Yeah. You can, I think you can dress like 15 guys in basketball and they can all play. Whereas hockey, you have, all these guys, and you have three guys sitting in the press box. So comparing load management in basketball and hockey is really tough to do, but I just wanted to put the idea out there of what you would think load management looks like in the NHL. See, you're you're asking a Habs fan, right? And at the same, I, I would love it because Shane Weber is playing fantastic right now. But the guy, I believe, is 34, and he's got like seven years on his deal still. Carey Price I, Marc-Andre Fleury showed it a few years ago. You can be great all season, three rounds of the playoffs, but you can be burnt out by the finals, and you're you're screwed. So uh, from my point of view, yes, I would love the Habs to be able to use – I would love to see them use load management so you have those guys ready, let's say, if you need to ride them down the stretch – but you 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 rest them mid season, or you're able to make it at a certain point where you can rest them down the stretch and then ride them come playoff times. I would love to see it. Yeah, like for me, I'm thinking, okay, you guys you guys have back to backs. Okay, Patrick, don't play uh, the the back half of the back to back. Or okay, Weber, don't play uh, the front half or whatever. Something like that. There's because no reason you, why if you play Minnesota on a back to back. Why you should be playing your best players? No offense, Minnesota, but no. Right, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But that's that's kind of why I wanted to bring up. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to load management? No. All right. Should I just talk about? Mo- I'm not even going to ask. Do I go Montreal then? Sure. All right. So. Alex, I'm also going to tell you about my trip that I took. Yeah. I get to Montreal, right? I think I get in for 3 o'clock. And so I get to my hotel and that. I need to get ready, right? Because, you know, I'm going to this press box. I want to look good. I want to do my hair, shower, all that. My hotel room didn't have hot water. Oh, my God. No way. It didn't have hot water. It had It had lukewarm water. Which oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. No, 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 no. Okay, let me let me get something. I'm going to sound very, very privileged here. But if you are, if you're me, right? You're driving all this way. You pay, you know, all this money for a hotel, right? I would expect to have hot water. <laughs> See, no, gets- I know, but it could it it could be. No, 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 no. So we call the front desk and say, like, "Yeah, can we do something about this?" They're like, "Oh, we will send somebody immediately." An hour and a half later, the guy gets there. He asks, all right, so what's up? We tell him the issue, and he's like, do you want to move room? And we're like, okay, why? He's like, this area of the hotel is known for water issues. Okay? (laughs) So they put us in a section 
that is known to have bad water issues. And by the time they finally get to us and we were able to move, we have to go for the game. All right. So then we, they're like, okay, we can move you. But oh, okay, that's great. I have to go to a game now. So what we're going to do when we get back. We get back. We go to our new room. It's next to the elevator. And you just hear it go off all night. So they oh, put us into a third God. room. And you can still hear the elevator. Oh, my God. Then they gave us free breakfast for it, which was nice of them. But then the coupon was only for one person. So we had to argue with them about that because it's me and my mom, right? That's nice of you. And then they're like, oh, that's okay. We'll book you in for your next day. We don't want to stay here. It sucks. <laughs> but and, and then, and then like, we messed up with the parking <laughs> ticket, but we had the receipt for the parking to prove we paid for it. And the guy still wouldn't let us out the damn parking thing. It was just, like, the last two trips I've taken to Montreal, and I love Montreal, just have not been good. Like, all my favorite restaurants have been complete crap, so I can't go to them anymore, except La Cage. You know, just, just you know, I, I don't care if I sound like a, a bit of a child here, but, like, if you pay for something, it is expected that you get the service or the product that you pay for. Anyway, let's talk about the hockey. So, of course, great game. Montreal goes out. Shea Weber scores two goals very quickly. Nate Thompson scores one as well. There was one point where it was like two goals, 18 seconds apart. I'm going mad. Price is playing well. Alex, did you watch my last HFR? Uh, against who? Uh, it, was the, it was the Philly game, but I spent more time talking about Carey Price. I believe so. Okay. Well, in that, I talked about, you know, the Habsman need to be behind Carey Price more. They do the I, starting lineups. Go ahead. I feel like they say that like every year. Or is oh, that just it, me? No, no, it, it happens every year. <laughs> it, it's like, the most annoying thing in the world. Oh, yeah. A heart, Vesna, a gold medal in like every level, and they still never give this guy credit. Wait, who Cannot- doesn't give him credit? The fans. No, but like. I sorry. Who needs to get behind Carey Price? The players or the fans? The fans. Oh, because I feel like I hear them saying, "Oh, the players need to play well behind Carey in front of Carey Price." I feel like I hear that a lot. Oh, there are always nights when the lads are bad, but the problem is Carey Price is at a level that you know this when the boys aren't playing well because the goals aren't going in, or when they do, it's so frustrating because this guy's bailing you out. Uh, it's right. just in my entire time as a Habs fan, when the team has been good, of course, it's Carey Price. But then when there are stretches that Price isn't good and the team in front of him is, that that's when they all of a sudden turn on him. It's like, are you actually kidding me? This so is it, like, is it like defenders in Toronto? Kinda, like, you know, but like, like, you know how everyone jumps on the Jake Gardner bandwagon when he does well, but then he makes one and then he makes one mistakes and they start booing him? Yes, but okay. like the price boos don't happen as often. But when they do, it's like there's this civil war that goes on with right. these idiots that just don't get it. it yeah, it's exactly yeah. It's, it's exactly like Jay Gardner that. Yeah. It. But it's just it's it's just on the it, instead of like it's just it, it's more a thing of you have like the younger fans or like we understand Gardner strings and the old guard when it comes to carry price, it's just everyone's split. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter which, if you're more an eye, eye test or analytics person, it's just this thing of like, just, I don't get why people turn on him. So, so much. It's, it's most annoying thing in the world. But anyway, the Belsner crowd last night gave him a great ovation. He even smiled during the starting lineup. And let me tell you, carry price when the game gets going, never smiles. 
He's so in the zone. It's really nice to see. He made some incredible saves. Of course, the Habs looked really good on the power play throughout the night. The Kings took a lot of bad ones. They couldn't convert on a lot of them, but they still looked really good. I feel I saw. I believe it was Mark Dumont tweet out that it's not fair that Weber had two goals at the start of the period at the sorry at the end of the first because then if you're Jonathan Quick, you have Shea Weber looking for a hat trick for two periods, which oh. means you're going to shoot more. Uh. So. Yeah, I thought the boys looked good. Nate Thompson probably had his best game as a hab. Victor Mete continues to get better and better. Uh, Jeff Petrie almost had a scare because he got high-sticked, but only got some blood. He was fine. Jonathan Drew continues to be great. Nick Suzuki looks great. I'm wanting... I want to say I want more from Paling, but he's just not getting the ice time, and it's a little annoying. Why... He's on the fourth line, I assume, right? He was playing fourth line wing yesterday. Do you think you've seen enough from Paling to say he should be playing up in the lineup? No, he's weird because you had that one Toronto game, which is obviously amazing, but he's never going to do that again. And it, But then this year, it's just he has been given the ice time. So I don't think you quite know what you have in Paling yet as an NHL player. But you, you aren't really giving him the chance. I haven't noticed him do anything too terrible, which I think you like to see. And I'm not going to get mad about it because of how good Thompson was last night. But, I mean, it's an it's it's a good issue to have. Right? A young center right. you can send up and down. You know what to do with, right? You know, there's worse exactly. problems to have. Right. So, you know, I just want to give some shout-outs to Tomas Tatar, who got his 300 point last night. He has just been such a welcome as a hab. And, of course, 100 power play goals for Shea Weber. I think if you look at the lead for goals on the power play by a defenseman since, like, a decade ago, Shea Weber's clear and ahead above everyone else. So it's it's really nice to see. I, I've said this forever that since Shea Weber, since I've got into hockey, I've always been a huge Weber fan. But then when the trade happened for PK, I was terrified because he had 11 years left on his deal at that time. He's older, but, you know, PK hasn't been the same, so it's soft in the blow. And I'm not somebody who hates PK Subban. I still, like, I, I like the trade, I'm still not set on it yet because, again, it's another another civil war in Habs Nation. But, but yeah, that's Wait, not he had, to say. Did you say 11 years? Yeah, when, when if, I'm pretty sure when Shea Weber got traded to Montreal, he had 11 or 10 years left on his deal. I, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, that's disgusting. Because the <laughs> because he is one of those old stupid. <sighs> I'm gonna quickly. I have him up on cap friendly. He makes seven point eight million dollars, which is not terrible for Shea Weber. It's not. It's not that bad. So he after this year has one, two, three, four, five, six years left. Okay. But when he if he does retire or that. Montreal will be on the hook, but so will Nashville, so that will suck for them. But, yeah, thanks, the Flyers, for uh, that offer sheet. You just screwed everyone. $110 million, a 14-year deal. I believe oh the God. trade was 15-16 or something, so, yeah, he would have had around 10 years left. Yeah. The tra- trade was one for one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do listen, it. Listen. <laughs> I had I'm to do Edmonton. it. Because you know what? Say what you want uh, about Shea Weber. He's been a fantastic Montreal Canadian. Adam Larson has not been a good Edmonton. Orphan. I know. I just want to say the trade is one for one. Well, Alex, speaking of, we're looking at stuff here. We talked about some halves. We talked a bit about this earlier. 
Um, congratulations. I believe it was against the Kings that Mike Babcock got his 700th win. The Knights. The Knights. It was which the is, Golden Knights. So Frederick Anderson got him his 700th win. Yeah. Alex, so long this Philly game. There's the again we mentioned the young boy Cade and how sweet it was to see that. Mitch Marner goes down. Tavares still has a broken finger. Take me through this game. <laughs> just this mess that's going on. It, I I don't know what exactly to say. Like I'm I'm not gonna scream about it or yell because I did most of that last week. Um. Marner, I, I I don't know about the Marner injury yet. Uh, Darren Dreger said he was getting a MRI today. So we'll see about that. Um, Freddie, good old Frederick Anderson, I believe is back to himself. Uh, always has that weird October. You don't know what the, what's going on. Uh, it's good that we just got that out of the way and he's back to himself. He looks He looks really confident in that. Uh, he looks different than he did in October. And I just wish that the, the defense in front of him would play properly. Not even just the defenders, just how they play defense in front of Freddie would be spectacular. Sorry, there's just a lot going on in this soccer game, and I can't concentrate. What's the score? Um, it's still 0-0, but they're like almost like it feels like they're going to score. And I'm, I feel like I'm about to scream, but I'm going to get back to hockey. I wish that this team could play properly in front of Freddie because I can imagine if th- the forwards got back, the forwards back checked, it would be – I feel like this team would be a completely different team. Um, I really like the third pairing. I really like the third pairing. It's what? Travis Dur- Travis Dermott and Justin Hall. Imagine last year if I told you, by the way, you haven't imagine if I told you this. All right, so Alex, you have Tyson Berry and Jake Muzzin as a pairing, but Dermott Hall is your best one. What would you say to me? I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> Adam, I think I owe Justin Hall an apology. I think we all do. Remember his- Well, I think I personally do. I, I personally do because I, I remember last year I told you that Justin Hall is not an NHL player. Um, and now that I say it, now that I'm apologizing, he's going to start playing poorly because that's what happens. It's uh, on what the- happens when your coach actually plays you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. He looks really good. Like, I'm not going to lie. He looks quite good out there. Like... And everyone's saying he should be put up. Oh, he needs to play with uh, Riley because Cody CC is uh, incompetent. Well, that is true. Putting him with Riley. Pardon? Is he still playing with Morgan Riley? Yeah. Okay. Cool. But I have to disagree with the idea of putting Justin Hall on the first pairing because he's getting a certain amount of certain amount of minutes now he's playing against a weaker competition he's playing against weaker competition if you put him up on the first pairing you're increasing everything i don't know if that's the smart thing to do no keep him where he's succeeding right keep him where he's succeeding this is this is fine Uh, because if you think about it 
if he can play like this for the rest of the year, I don't know how worried I am about next year's right side. Because uh, Dermot is still here. Like, let's, let's just play this out with me. Next year's first pairing is who? Uh, Riley and Dermot, because Dermot. that's what everyone seems to think. Okay. Then, uh, who's coming back, Muzzin or Barry? Um, I think I'm officially off the Tyson Barry page, so Muzzin. Okay, so Muzzin, and let's just throw Lilligren in there, because I, I believe he's going to be an NHL player next year. I was going to leave him and Sandine as their own pairing, but yeah. Okay, so you want to play Justin Hall with Jake Muzzin? I guess. Because that seems like I think if you keep Justin Hall on your third pair, I think he's a he right now at this moment is a competent third pairing defenseman. Now, I don't know what the hell's going to happen after this episode is released and they play Chicago uh, in a couple hours. But well, you don't have Garrett Sparks, so it's not going to be a 12 goal game. Well, you have Michael Hutchinson. He's been good, dude. It's a, I have a complicated relationship with Michael Hutchinson. Hey, he's better than Garrett Sparks. Sure, but he's also all over the place sometimes, like Garrett Sparks. I think if the team in front of him buckled... I want to see how they play tonight, because... The last few games, they've played a lot. I think they've played a lot better as a team. I this is the first game that we've seen them play in front of Michael Hutchinson with this uh, way they've been playing recently. So I this would is gonna. I think this is the most important game of the week for the Leafs. I'm actually. I'm going to quickly check something because I just said that at least Michael Hutchinson wins games, but no, last he time I. He hasn't actually won a game. I'm going to double-check no. that really quickly. Uh, Michael not. Hutchinson has not won a game. Oh, no. No, but he's looked good at times, right? Like, oh, he's looked that, good. Okay. Both of them were not his fault. No. He can't no, let up. No, no. Yeah, you're right. Breakaways. Like, the guy has some of the best hands in the league. Right. No, no. I agree. I'm not saying there's he's looked good at times but there's times where it seems like he's just confused and i don't know if that's whether he's not comfortable with the team in front of him uh he's just not comfortable i i don't know exactly what it is i, I that's why i have a complicated relationship with mike Hutchinson. but did you see claude Giroux's goal in the shootout uh yeah this man took that. he took an nhl video game slap shot in the in the shootout. I love Claude Giroux. That was funny. Um Alex, anything else to wrap up the show today? Uh one thing. So you know how we always complain about back to backs? Yeah. So this can't get worse for the Toronto Raptors. Tonight they play the LA Lakers in LA. Tomorrow night, they play the Clippers in L.A. with potentially playing against, I believe Kawhi is going to play, but they almost might. They also might play against Paul George, who's arguably another top five player in the NBA. And Siakam and Larry are out, aren't they? 
Ibaka and Lowry are out. Ibaka, sorry. Yeah. So you thought, we all thought it was bad. This just, it just, things get worse. Yeah. (laughs) You sound tired. You sound tired, Adam. I think it's time Uh, to finish the podcast. um, I just want to throw out one more thing before. um, uh, 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 Co Caulfield has 12 points in 10 games, 8 goals. Anyway, Alex, um, I believe that's everything for today. Yeah. For those of you listening to this show, if you liked it, you should, even if you didn't like it, I mean, just do us a solid. Uh, You should rate the podcast. Leave a review. If it's funny enough, we will bring it up. Make a joke about the Leafs. Everyone does. It's funny. Check out my YouTube channel um, because that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, check out the Instagram page for the podcast. Yeah, there's a comment on the most recent post saying how handsome I am. I'm yeah, not I myself, but I mean, you know, the internet's always right, isn't it? Sure, man. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll see you later. Yeah. Bye. See you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the two on one podcast. 